The Joker by Scott Leopold Introduction I walk into an empty house, my footsteps uneven. One is clear and hard, the other muffled. I have a rusty gas can in my hand. An old brass lamp spills a dim light across years of dust and mold that have taken over the living room. The odor of cigarettes clings to the walls and furniture, assaulting my sense of smell. I move from room to room, drizzling gas over the images that have haunted me since I was a child, each drop bringing back the painful memories of my childhood. I drench the broken down couch, its faded roses running together in a puddle. I pour my hatred over the armchair and its ottoman. I nod in satisfaction as I move to the television resting on a portable stand in the corner. Gas splashes on the floor as my distorted reflection appears on its dusty screen. Not given a second look, I continue. Lurching down the hallway, I enter a room on my right. My eyes fall on a frameless mattress lying on the floor. I am overtaken with humiliation and grief. The pain I have suppressed for so long makes its way up my spine, determined to corrupt my brain. In the inky darkness, I can make out the vintage posters I had taped back on the walls many years ago. I walk to the other side of the room and run my hand over the trophies on the dresser. I think about my family while the fractured pieces of my heart beat quicker and quicker and louder and louder. I soak the mattress with gas. I stumble across the carpet to the door and look back. Anger and loathing crowd out my ability to reason. As my mind takes one last snapshot of my old life, ambling down the hallway, I see a black lad with gray hair around her eyes. She steps towards me, her movements hesitant and unsettled. She looks up and whimpers. She then walks down the tiny corridor as if she's looking for help. I continue to a narrow door. I enter a long shotgun-style bathroom lined in dingy white subway tiles. Like a shadow, the black lab is at my side. Wild-eyed, Riley senses what's about to happen. The window along the back wall is ajar and the night air swooshes through its cracks. I can hear the crickets chirp, the owls hoot from their nests in the trees like it's any other night. The lab waits as I walk toward the window. Confused, Riley follows me, her tags jingling from her collar. Oh, how that sound once brought me great pleasure. I stop to remember the beautiful family I once had. Exhausted, I slump on the toilet seat. I cannot get the memory of Book telling me she was no longer in love with me out of my mind. The familiar jingle starts again, and my friend comes to my aid. She walks up and gently licks my hand, begging for attention. I slowly reach into my pocket and pull out a lighter. Hands as steady as a heart surgeon, I flick its flint wheel then watch its delicious flame, hungry for something to touch. I make it wait, 
I see the fire's reflection dancing in Norelli's eyes as she howls more loudly, pleading me to stop. But the flame is starving, begging me to set the house on fire. I do. With a quick move, I let the flame begin to eat. The fire slowly devours the wall. Out of the bathroom, it works its deprived hunger towards the rest of the house, ingesting drywall and wood floors in its need to be full. I watch and smile as the flame follows the path of gasoline, like a hungry demon taking its prey. I get up and step in front of the mirror. I hate what I see. My skin is pale, my wiry hair long and brittle like pine needles. In a mad rage, I punch the mirror several times, then look at myself through its broken pieces. I hate you, I scream. I punch the mirror again. You deserve everything that ever happened to you. I start to cry. You are unlovable. Your own mother couldn't love you. I close my eyes. When I open them, I see myself as a child. All I wanted is for you to love me. My reflection becomes blurry. You should have never been born. I cry. The boy in the mirror begins to laugh. But you were born. He starts. See, the world needs someone like you. It needs someone to create chaos. Someone who's not afraid to destroy it. I don't understand, I reply. Do you remember what Sai did to us? Yes. Was there anyone there to help us? No. Do you know why? I don't understand, I cry. Because you are weak. Because you let it happen, just like you let this happen. I punch the mirror again and again, my hands dripping in blood, until the boy goes away. Exhausted, I sit back down on the toilet. I pull a pistol from the back of my jeans and put its barrel into my mouth. I can feel its cold metal on my lips as I place my forefinger on its trigger. I sit like I am frozen. Tears run down my face. I watch them roll slowly down to my trigger finger. I remember my last conversation with Brooke. Text messages. Jack, one day you will appreciate me. Reply, Brooke. No, I won't. Don't ever think for a second I will. Brooke continued. You can't control everything and everybody, and someday you won't control me anymore. Brooke continued, Someday you will have no one, not me, not the kids, no one. Brooke continued, Because you never found a way to live your principles without walking away. If you walk away, you have an excuse for all your failed relationships.